Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, July 10th, 2021. Well, welcome back to day two of Revival from the Bible, Ignite Edition. And I'm actually recording this right here in the dining hall late on Friday afternoon. And I'm joined by a very special guest, our youth director, Keegan McQuaid. So Keegan, welcome to Revival from the Bible. And tell us how camp is going. For starters, is there like a theme to camp this year? What's it all about? Like the games and the messages, how does that all work together? Well, hey, it's good to be here on Revival from the Bible. And yeah, we are having a blast up at camp. Our theme this year is it's the Ignite Olympics, Olympics 2021. And our teaching theme is that our students are training for the ultimate prize. Awesome. So that, that theme with Olympics, like what, what are the teams? What have some of the competitions been? How's that going? Yeah, so we have our teams this year based off of countries. We have teams like Netherlands in a bright orange jersey. Germany, the United States of America, Mexico, Spain, um, and a couple other of our important countries that we have. Awesome. And what have some of the competitions been so far? Yeah, our kids have had a blast. They got to make flags out of duct tape, which yours truly and Pastor Ben got to judge. We uh, had murder in the dark, which... We got some applause in the dining hall. We'll get to why that is in just a second. Totally. We have, we've played Murder in the Dark, which is always a big hit here at Ignite. It's one of our kids' favorite games. They got to play kiddie pool kickball today, which was just a blast. If you're wondering what kiddie pool kickball is, it's pretty much what you would think it is. Mm-hmm. The bases are kiddie pools, and it's just about as fun as you think it is. A great time for everybody. Now, the students are doing something right now that is also a part of the competition. I'm pretty sure it's why one of the teams just cheered. What are students doing right now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So our students' team time is going on right now, and it is crucial to all of Ignite because this is where they say their memory verses. And it's not like they're just saying one memory verse, Pastor Ben. They're saying about five verses a night. So they are saying their memory verses to their teams, and the teams are oh, celebrating every single that, time a student says that's it. That's what you're hearing right now, is the celebration. Oh, yeah, and we want to celebrate with them, absolutely. Awesome. Now tell us a little bit just spiritually what's kind of been the focus. What are your the counselors talking to the students about? And even maybe for those that are listening, how can they pray uh, for Ignite right now? Oh yeah, I mean, our leaders have been doing a great job following up with our students from the amazing messages they hear every single night. Last night they got to hear a great message from Pastor Ben teaching on the hostile crowd that your students will be facing. We took a look at 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 17. And I mean, from a lot of the small groups that I saw going on, this is where it kind of got real. The kids really were talking about, you know, this is where the world has planted its flag what are we going to do as Christians? Right. So I'd say be praying for your students, especially for their making decisions moving forward for if they're going to stand for Christ or follow the world. Right. And that's going to be a big deal tonight, too, as Pastor Ben's going to really get to the heart of the gospel message. 
Right, and so if you're listening on Saturday, on Friday night at camp, we're going to be talking about Matthew 7 and really the narrow gate versus the broad road, the wide road that leads to destruction. So be praying for those times, be praying for the students, and be praying for Keegan as he leads this. If you are listening carefully, you notice probably a little bit of raspiness in his (laughs) voice, and that's a good sign, because if you didn't hear that raspiness, he probably wouldn't be going hard enough. But thanks so much for joining us for a little bit. And you can give some, give some more congratulations to Team Sweden, who just said another memory verse. But th- Keegan, thanks so much for joining us. We'll let you go, and we'll get into our normal Bible reading together. Great. Well, I will see you guys again on Revival from the Bible. Have a great time. Well, now we want to dig into our regular Bible reading uh, with our Revival from the Bible reading program. And I want to start today in Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. And so now we start seeing things pivot where so much before in this little letter to these churches in Galatia, he's kind of been warning them against something, against this mindset that they need to be circumcised to be saved or that we can be justified by the works of the law. And really now, okay, well, what should we do? And so he calls us to stand free in freedom. And again, we still see some of these warnings um, where you see in verse two, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Uh, Now, we got to think through that even kind of from a modern perspective where for now many people, circumcision has kind of become a standard medical practice. Uh, So it almost looks like if you take this on your face, well, hey, if you were circumcised when you were a baby, does that mean you have to keep the whole law? And I think it's clear there's a mindset where he's saying, hey, if you think you've got to be circumcised and you do that because you think you need to do that to be saved, then, you know, Christ is of no advantage to you. You're obligated to keep the whole law. But then he reminds us that that's that's not the gospel, that that actually separates you from Christ. Uh, Then he explains, starts to explain more positively what should things look like for through the spirit by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through Love. So there we see more of really the heart of the Christian life. The heart of the Christian life is not just rule keeping for the sake of earning righteousness. The heart of the Christian life is faith working through love. And that's what the race of the Christian life looks like. Look at verse seven, where it says, You were running well. Um, And that really ties in so much with the theme of what we have been talking about with these students, this idea of the Christian life as a race, as a competition, uh, that they're training for the ultimate prize. And as you think about your own life and the race that you are running, the way God wants you to run that race is at the heart of it, a race that is motivated by faith working through love. Is that really what drives you every day? Is that what's going to drive you this Saturday, this weekend? That you wake up today and I believe God's promises. I have faith in him. So I want to do what he says. And I love God. And because he loves me, I love other people. And so faith working through love, those are the motivations that will keep me doing the right things. Not just a sense of obligation, not trying to earn righteousness through the law, which can't be done. But I love God, I believe God, and therefore I want to do what he says. And if I do that, that'll keep me out of all kinds of problems. We see that in verse 13. 
For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through Love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So there we see that idea that hey, we love our neighbor as ourself, and that helps us fulfill the law. Not a long list of do's and don'ts, but a heart of love will motivate us to the right do's and the right don'ts. So I hope you examine your own heart today and are refreshed by that perspective of the heart of the Christian life being faith working through love. We need to believe God. And we get a sense of that as we continue on in the Psalms today, looking at Psalm 81 verses 1 through 10. And here this begins as a psalm of praise, sing aloud to God our strength, shout for joy to the God of Jacob, raise a song, sound the tambourine, all my tambourine players, uh, say amen, and the sweet lyre with the harp. And we see all of that praise, but then it seems that there is a concern and kind of a warning that we'll really get more into in the next day's reading. But look at the last uh, three verses, verses 8 through 10 of Psalm 81, the last three verses, at least of our reading today, it says, Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Right? He, he's saying, turn away from your false gods and turn to me with expectation. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. I think we talked about faith working through love. There's a picture of that faith. I believe God. I believe that God has something to offer that the idols can never, ever do. So I will come to him expectantly. And we'll see the warning that uh, the people of Israel were not doing that. And we'll get more into that on Monday. But today you see how that connects with that idea of faith working through love. I believe God, so I come to him with an open mouth expecting he is going to feed me. He is going to give me what I need. Uh, as long as we're in the new, in the Old Testament, let's consider First uh, Chronicles 7 and 8. And don't worry, we're almost done with the genealogies here at the beginning of First Chronicles. But here we see a lot about the northern tribes. And we see the, the tribe of Benjamin, I guess, before we get into the northern tribes, Benjamin was right located kind of right next to the tribe of Judah. And we see even the city of Jerusalem at times being kind of right there on the border between both of these tribes. And you're going to notice a connection really with the tribe of Benjamin then and uh, the genealogy of Saul. So Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin, the first king, Saul. And we're going to get more into his story tomorrow. But I hope you can see how all these genealogies are trying to set up something. It's going to set up King Saul. And then a lot of it really is going to set up King David and the story really of his descendants. And that's the one big difference because a lot of things you're going to start seeing in First Chronicles after the genealogies are going to be familiar. And that's because First Chronicles isn't a bunch of new information. It's kind of telling the same story. But one big difference between First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles is if you remember from First and Second Kings, it was almost kind of dizzying how much we would flip back and forth from the northern kingdom to the southern kingdom. Well, First Chronicles is all just going to focus on the southern kingdom, the line of David, the city of Jerusalem. And these genealogies are, are getting us there. 
Uh, finally, uh, we think about Luke chapter 5, and I have kind of a standard list of theological questions as I uh, do interviews of potential candidates at a church, especially more pastoral candidates, uh, just questions that I like to ask, ranging from big things down to some you know smaller things that aren't the biggest deal in the world at large, uh, but some things that I would want all the pastors of our local church to be on the same page on. But one of the bigger things I ask them about is the deity of Christ. And hey, where would you go to show the deity of Christ? And I'm preaching through the Gospel of John right now, so there's a lot of pretty straightforward passages in the Gospel of John that come to mind, like John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, one passage that might not be on our radar, and we see it in uh, some of the Gospels, and we see it here in Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 26, is the healing of a paralytic. And some men brought this paralytic to Jesus, and this is where they lower him through the roof, that familiar story. And Jesus says to this man, when he sees his faith, man, your sins are forgiven you. Now notice what happens. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins, but God alone? And then Jesus goes on to perform the miracle of healing this man of his paralysis to prove that he has the authority to give to forgive sins, really to prove that he is God. They weren't wrong when they said, who has authority to forgive sins, but God alone. Jesus is showing, hey, I have the authority to forgive sins because I have the power that only God has because, mm, yeah, I am God. So maybe as you talk to some people about the deity of Christ or even just a refreshing thing that causes you to worship yourself, we see this example of Jesus Christ and just the great Savior that he is. So I want you to continue to pray for Ignite, continue to pray for these young men and women to run well, that they would live lives of faith working through love. And hopefully we'll have one more update for you of what's going on at camp as we continue to go through God's word. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.